boys and girls, sports fans and assorted waifs and strays. Yes, you know who it is. It's Dan from Diginomica. And once again, I have a very special guest. Good old, no, not old, good old, good young, isn't it? Come on. <laughs> Typical bloke, innit? We're, we're getting off to a terrible start. Let's let's try again. Hello, Rachel Happy. How are you today? <laughs> I'm great, Dan, and I do feel old, so. Oh, really? Know. That's fine. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm tipping up towards 50. So, you know, I've been never, around the block. Never, never, never. I don't believe it. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, to, to have been in the technology world for 25 years, you know, do the math. I mean, I know I started at five. I was precocious. But. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rachel, you and I have known each other a very, very long time back to the days when you were uh, working in an analyst firm. So, but, you know, a number of people, all three of them, I reckon, um, may <laughs> not know who you are. So just, just give us a little bit of history. Yeah, so um, my name... Uh, is Rachel Hoppy and I run the community roundtable now and have for 10 years. Um, but my background is a little varied. I graduated with a politics degree, which turned out to be super helpful. Worked in DC for a while um, and then got into management consulting and I was doing new product development and supply chain operations. So operational strategy. Uh, and from there I hopped into technology and was uh, building some of the early SaaS products in the new product development space um, and got into product management and product marketing and moved around in the tech space a couple of times uh, as an executive and kind of got up to the executive level, became an analyst, which is when you and I first met uh, at IDC. And I think I might have been the first analyst covering the social technology space. Mm. Uh, certainly at the enterprise level. Right. Um, and I did, uh, I think, the first forecast of that market back in uh, 2006, 2007. Um, uh, ran a product group for a software company for a very short time. And then when Jim Store and I were sifting around in early, late 2008, early 2009, uh, we're looking at this space and seeing the adoption of these, the social tech taking off and my somewhat varied background uh, told me that no one was ready for the changes to power, culture, management, leadership, and the business model that, that, that would usher in. Um, but there were some of these early community managers who were learning how to make productive use of these opt-in networks. And we were like, they hold the secret to what all managers and leaders are going to need to understand um, once communication goes network. So that's why we started the CR 10 years ago. Um, and that's kind of how my background informed that. Okay. Now... That's you say ten years. I mean, this is this is clearly a, a long haul project. And I mean, I, I remember the the early days of of you um, of getting this off the ground. It, it wasn't easy, was it? I mean, if, if anything, no. it was pretty darn tortuous. Um, it, it 
was. And the market developed a lot more slowly than I thought it was going to. Why do you think it was so so difficult at the time when you really... I mean, it's it, it's probably... Let me try and contextualize this for people, and maybe you can help me out here. I guess it's probably only in the last, what, two to three years that the notion of community, is, as you describe it, has really started to take hold. Is it, Would that be a fair assessment, or am I kind yeah, of... Yeah, I think so. I mean, I it's funny because I, you know, even five or six years ago, I would talk to other um, analysts or thought leaders in the space, and... I'd say things like community is the future of all, our community management is the future of all management and community leadership is the future of leadership. And I'd get these like stares, like, what are you talking about? Community is this little thing that somebody does on the side. Like, I don't know, it's this thing over here. It's not not strategic. and I got very frustrated by that because they weren't seeing the connection uh, to all the digital changes going on. And that has shifted quite a bit in the last few years. So that's pretty exciting. Okay. So, uh, so was getting- sorry, sorry to interrupt you there, Rachel, but what, what, what has actually um, shifted, shifted the needle? What, what in, is it something environmental within the enterprise? Is it technology? Is it both? Is it legislative? What's actually changed such that people are now taking notice of this thing? So I think there's a few things that are happening. One, um, a lot of companies have tried just deploying all sorts of technology and have failed three, four, five, six, ten times. And and they're suddenly realizing, oh, it's not just about the technology. So that's one thing going on. Uh, the second massive thing that happened in the last couple of years is the Cambridge Analytica scandal with Facebook. Um, and people are understanding that if you don't control the engagement platform, you don't have the data and you can't actually use all that spiffy AI technology that you have because you don't have access to your own data. Now, that's interesting because I've literally just come off a call with um, Yvette Cameron, um, who I don't know if you know Yvette or not, but she's she's kind of ex-Gartner, ex-SAP and a few other places. And, and she's saying that um, what we really now need is for the vendors to, uh, to come together in some sort of consortia in order to unlock the data from their siloed um, environments because employers actually need it. Now, yeah. you know, is, is that something with which you would concur? for example yeah and actually like one of the interesting most interesting things that i'm doing is uh really understanding the analytics required to manage communities strategically Mm -hmm. and for a while i was just working on uh community roi and all of that and then i had this kind of lightning bolt moment where i was like oh, it's not just engagement data that has this architectural problem. It's all enterprise data. And um, the lightning bolt that I had um, is that most of our data architectures are optimized or or architected around content or transactional objects. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, And the way we 
build KPIs for senior executives is around their subsystem. Like the, the VP of customer success has very different metrics than the VP of marketing. Mm-hmm. And so it makes them it almost impossible for them to collaborate. And it's because the, the analytics are focused on the transaction that they both care about. Is, is it is it just the analytics or is it the processes in which they they find well, themselves? So the, the measurement drives everything because if you can't see something, you can't change it, right? right. So um, in the community engagement space, like the problem, the reason we can't go to senior executives and say this has value is because we go to them and we're like, well, we're getting 2 million impressions because that's the data we have available to it. Right. The transaction, somebody looked at this 2 million times yeah. and they say to us, well, who cares? What did that get us? <laughs> and people look at them and say, I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's that's a really really interesting um, statement you've made just there, um, Rachel. Because I, I and this plays directly to something that I'm, I literally looked at a few hours ago. So, for instance, in in my world, um, mm-hmm. okay, in in my world, this is my core belief that if you come to a site like Diginomica, it's because you want to. I mean, we're not mm-hmm. there. We're not there cracking jokes. We're not there. Um, trying to to drive page views with funky titles, although that, of course it happens from time to time. What we're trying to do is pass on information on which people can take some sort of action. Okay. Yeah. So the theory on which I work is is that if you come to us, it's because you want to, not not because we happen to be ZDNet or HBR or Wall Street Journal or any of those other things. Okay. So. I've always been focused on quality over quantity anyway, yeah? Now, the first problem that I have is to persuade the people who pay us that those are valid metrics. And I think that that message has got through. But here's the problem. There's a particular story that I'm seeing at the moment, which through our metrics is saying that it's consistently important to people because it's getting a hell of a lot of traction, okay? Now, I know where it's getting traction from. It's getting traction from LinkedIn, okay? Largely, that's driving the majority of that traffic. Mm -hmm. But I don't know because I have no access to this. I don't know who within LinkedIn cares about it right is is it for instance that the particular story is being read by people who are closely connected to the company that we're talking about is it people who are interested in looking at that company is yeah. it is it is it people who've just heard about it is it people who've uh, have had a message that's been pinged to them by a link i'd no idea and i've no obvious way of being able to get that data and it, and it gets more squirrely and uh this is where I look, I like I have a systems dynamics analysis background and I've uh, thought about complexity mm. theory a lot. Mm. And I look at organizations and I'm like, they're complex adaptive systems. Communities are complex adaptive systems. Any ecosystem is. Mm. And uh, complexity has the paradoxical virtue of being both complex and simple at the same time. Now, you're going to have to explain that one to me because that's just blown yeah. my head. <laughs> yeah, so uh, complexity is made out of simple repeating patterns, mm-hmm. a lot of repetition of simple fractals, right? You take, and, and so where I think we get metrics wrong is we assume the content 
or the transaction is the fractal. Right. And I don't think that's right at all. The behavior is the fractal, right? So our our ability to ask questions and answer questions and view like acknowledge each other and thank each other and explore together. Those are all fractals that happen again and again and again and again that make up this complex system. Okay. But if we look at the content, the content of every one of those conversations is wildly different. Okay. And we try and make sense of the content, not the behavior. And if we measure the behavior, we can get leading predictors of transactions. But if we measure the outcome, that's a lagging indicator. And we don't know if the behavior was correct leading up to it, meaning it can be manipulated at the end. Okay. Let me try and put this in terms that I hopefully will understand. I have a simpler way of explaining this. Just go for it, please. (laughs) So uh, my daughter is in third grade. Okay. She's... uh, Third grade is when they learn multiplication and start to learn division. Mm-hmm. In pre-K, kindergarten, first grade, she spent three years just sorting and reorganizing digits between zero and nine. Okay. And by the end of first grade, I was like, she's a smart kid. She's figured this out. Like, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? I think you can start teaching them to add and subtract. But they, they just kept reinforcing that behavior of sorting and matching and pattern recognition. And then in the second grade, they started doing the addition and subtraction, which she picked up super easily. And then by the end of the second grade, without any education or formal training, she knew half of her multiplication table because it was obvious to her. Because she had that behavior down like that. Right. Um, And then one day she came up to me and she's like, Mommy, what's division? And I was like, well, it's kind of the opposite of multiplication. And um, she was like, oh. And she just started doing division problems. Now, that's an example of if we measure people's memorization of their multiplication tables. Mm. That's okay. They pass the test, but maybe they mes- uh, memorized that. Maybe they cheated. Mm-hmm. We don't know how they got there mm-hmm. because we're not measuring the behavior. Mm-hmm. And so then we move on and add all this more co- complicated math, but conceptually they don't grasp it and it's super hard and they break down. Like they can't, they never get it because the fundamentals aren't there. So what what her teachers were doing was enforcing the behavior so well that everything after uh, was scalable and repeatable for her. Right, right, I get it. So that's the same thing we need to do with our measurement is make sure the behavior is right and the outcomes will come and they'll be repeatable and scalable. And you won't be able to lie about them because you will have that behavior flow leading up to it. Okay. Let me ju- let me just take that one a little step further forward, if I can, uh, and and try and sort of um, contextualize it into the world in which I live. Mm-hmm. So, 
going back to the business of content, and content is something that is fairly common across whether you know you, you're a kind of media come analyst outfit like we are, or whether you're somebody inside an organisation looking to solve a problem, whether that's the acquisition yep. of technology, um, trying to find out about a product, trying to find out about a service. Okay, the starting point is that you that you search. Okay, mm-hmm. but by the time you get to somewhere like my place or your place or some other place, we have no idea where you've been. Okay. Yeah. Now, we may never know where you've been, but one of the things that I would certainly love to be able to understand is where you are going next, okay? Yeah. And the reason that I want to do that is precisely because of what you're you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to discover patterns of of people's behavior. You know, are they sticking where we are? Have they found enough of, of what they needed to at our place and then moved on to provide additional context to whatever it is that they're trying to solve? What is it they're trying to do? Because once I get to that point, then I can start thinking about how I will deliver a better experience for the people who turn up and and are behaving in that particular way, right? Now, this is a very, very hard problem to solve. It's an incredibly hard problem to solve. Um, In fact, I know that we don't have an answer at this point in time, but it will be something that... um, I do think we can do some end runs around this, and this brings it back to community, though. Go on, then. So... um, you know, one of my big beefs is uh, how people measure engagement because typically they measure it like they have one engagement metric. And I'm like, you realize it's hundreds of behaviors. So like break that down. Yeah. Um, and so we have some models. We have the community engagement framework we have to help people understand the different buckets of types of engagement behaviors mm. and their value. Mm. And doing some of that work, uh, both we align it to... Um, ROI and uh, measuring culture. But we've also learned from that, like I I took away this aha around it, which is if you can get people to the point where they will ask a question, Mm -hmm. that I have a hypothesis that that is the core leading indicator of commitment or a transaction. Yeah, yeah. Because now they are pers- they're actively rather than passively pursuing a solution. Okay. And they're giving you the opportunity to co-create with them. And once they're co-creating, they have some shared ownership of the solution. They've got skin in the game, in other words, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so getting people to that point where they're asking a question... Mm-hmm. It's super important to me. Okay, so again, trying to bring this back to to, to the kind of world that I live in, um, we we obviously have a commenting system, and some people comment, and some people comment all the time, and very few very few others do. There does seem to be just a second. There does seem to be a um, there does seem to be a um, disconnect, if you will. Um, between those who are seeking information and those who are prepared to ask those questions, how do you encourage them to do so? Well, so that that's the art of community management, right? It's it's building a trusted environment where people feel comfortable doing that. They know en- enough of the context, the social context that they're in to say this is an okay place to do that. And that is pretty difficult, actually. Right. So... Um, you know, 
that that leap requires a lot of relationship development. I've ju- I think I just had a, I think I've just had one of your lightning bolt moments. Okay, <laughs> what I just suddenly realized is is that the the commenting system that we have is very public. Okay, yeah. And if I want to ask a question, uh, I, I have no problem with this because I know that I'm a uh, that I'm a fool, right? And and I I only know what I, I only know what I know, and I don't. You have a different tipping point, Dennis. Yeah. Than well, the rest look, of- look, I. I <laughs> I'm a lifelong learner, okay? I, yeah. I, I only discovered that about three or four years ago, that actually I'm a lifelong learner. I didn't know it, but anyway, that's that's it. And therefore, I don't have a problem in asking a question, however stupid it may be. Yeah. And, I, and, and what, I've, what you've just said there just made me feel that anybody who wanted to ask a question in the public domain, they've got to overcome that hurdle of how stupid do yeah. I look, right? Is, yeah. is, is that a fair assessment? Yes, and the more responsibility and power you have, the less likely you are to uh, make yourself look vulnerable. Right, right, okay. So depending on the population you're working with, that can be harder or easier, uh, depending on that profile. Okay, so the, the, the part of the answer might well be in my particular case. Hey, listen, I'm learning all the time. This is great. I didn't expect this, by the way, <laughs> Rachel, but this is a great <laughs> conversation. So part of the answer, at least for me and perhaps for others as well, might be that ability to say, you know what? We're going to have this little closed community, this yep. place where, where it's safe to go, and you can ask a question and you're not going to be judged. Yep, that, that- that's absolutely true. The second piece of it, and this one is much harder. Well, is it harder? I don't know. It's different. But as content creators, perfection is the enemy of engagement. Ah, yeah. This is this was one of your tweets, wasn't it? <laughs> right. So, like, if you do your job as a journalist and do a brilliant piece, no, there's no room for anybody else. Right. You've done their job for them. Yeah, so, yeah, but that's rare. That's incredibly rare. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just saying you need to think about how you publish and what you leave at the end and whether you're inviting a conversation or whether you're being declarative. And so I have this whole uh, shtick around the language of engagement, and it comes down to really specifically how we use language in our sentences and our right. Um, to either discourage or encourage engagement. And that is another fractal of complexity, meaning it's literally how we say something matters to whether somebody will engage with uh, us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 yeah, this is a, this is absolutely a problem in, in in my world because you know people expect us to hold opinions, and I try yeah. and stress the fact that you know I do hold strong opinions on a number of topics, but they're very loosely held. Yeah, um, and uh, it took years for people to to understand. Oh, Howlett changed his mind. Why? Um, it was <laughs> well, it was yeah, and, it was loosely held in the first place, dude. You know, and people don't like arguing with each. Unlike you and I, I love to argue. I grew up arguing. Like I don't understand why people won't say what's on their minds. Oh, yeah. But I have come to realize that other people aren't like that. Because I like playing with ideas just like you do. Right. So, like, you know, I am passionate. I say things. But if people object, 
you know, that's great. That gets us into interesting conversation. Yeah. Um, other, most other people don't feel that way. And they, if, if somebody comes out and says, well, the, the sky is pink, nobody's gonna, like most people won't argue with them. They'll just like mutter under their breath, ah, that person's insane and move on. Yeah. Right. Um, especially if somebody in a position of power says something like that, mm. You're just gonna let let it go, and that person will never get feedback. Mm. <laughs> they have a limited perspective, so then you start getting into this um, this culture of privilege and the executive culture, where people don't tell them things, but they don't even understand that there's another perspective out there because they're so isolated, yeah. and that's a huge business risk. Yeah. Um, but they've never had to see different perspectives. Yeah, you know, yesterday I saw some, I, I saw something yesterday where um, the CEO of a company said, um, "We out innovated everyone," <laughs> and it, it ended up on Twitter, right? Somebody put it on Twitter, yeah. and, and my comment was, "Nope, I didn't get that memo." <laughs> <laughs> Did not see it that way. No, nope. nope, didn't get the memo. Sorry. <laughs> And, and so, like, this gets back to our schooling and our education process, especially executive education. You go through business school, and you're taught that you're the smartest and that you should go and tell people what to do. Um, and you have this lens on the world that that really isolates you, actually, right. and you don't even realize it. Okay, okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume, then, that what you're finding is is that... Um, welcoming, um, empathetic, I'll use that word, environments yep. are, are, are places where you do actually see real progress. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I mean, I like I, I, looking at our own business, we have this membership network for community professionals. Right. Um, and we've had it for the, a decade. And I regularly go in there now and I'm just in awe of how people support each other both in like quantity of deep information but also on the personal side when someone experiences a loss in their family or what have you that the support that they're surrounded with um, and also the challenge that they're given by their peers in a supportive way is amazing um, so, you know, that's allowed me to have a lot of confidence in telling other people, this can be done. You don't have to have these contentious competitive relationships where there's a lot of like subtext of distrust and aggression. Doesn't have to be that way. But you do have to think about it. Your mindset has to shift. And I guess that one of the things that it's got to shift away from is this, it seems almost incessant, really, this this need for people to be competitive. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it, of course we're competitive. I mean, we're, I mean, I'm super competitive, but I don't have to hang it out on the line every day. You know what I mean? Well, and actually in a, and this is, this is as we transition from a information scarce environment to an information abundant environment, I think of it as like, we're off fighting over this one cookie. Yeah. And meanwhile, there's thousands of cookies out there, but we don't see it because we're so locked into the competitive mindset. Right, 
right, right. And you're like, play your own game. There is plenty of kind of blue ocean out there to explore. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and your customers will come with you if you have good relationships with them. Meaning they would rather give you money if they trust you oh, yeah. than have a better solution from somebody else that they don't trust. Just also thinking about the business of support there, you talked about personal support, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is, again, this is interesting. And it, it, I find that the people that I seem to have the best relationships with are those where there's actually been quite a degree of connectedness at a personal level around some of the mm-hmm. topics that you're talking about there, you know? Yeah. But it's very private. It's very private. Mm-hmm. It's very much a one-on-one thing. And and um, But you're saying that that can work inside a, a protective and protected community. Um, yeah. But that requires people to be vulnerable. And, vulner- yep. vulner- and vulnerability is not something that comes easy, especially to men, right? Um, right, and it takes it takes time, right? We've had the CR network for ten years, and I would say only in the past five have we gotten to that point. Yeah. So, like, you've got to have some patience, which we don't really budget for patience and maintenance of relationships in our organizations. Yeah. Um, so, unless you start doing that it's going to be really hard. And so that gets back to kind of short-term demands and short-term thinking and some of our ridiculous financial models at the strategic level. Right, 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 right. Let me just ask you um, a technology question then around that. Mm. I mean, there, there are numerous platforms that you could play with that, that enable this kind of thing. What have you found to be among the better ones that seem to work? Because, I mean, we've been through hundreds of these iterations, haven't we? But um, what would you say looking for so here, better ones? I'm going to uh, kind of sidestep this answer. Okay. Because um, I think a lot of the reasons we see lots of these companies come up and fail is they still don't understand the analytics. Okay. Like... I think there's a way to show self-evident value, uh, but they're still operating off of the extension of web analytics, meaning they're looking at content. Right. And I'm like, you are not going to help your customers when that, so there's that, but none of the platforms have good analytics right now. Okay. Um, so they're all very weak from that perspective. And some of the best platforms on the front end side, like Jive, uh, for example, which we all know that story, they kind of, they're still around, but in fragmented pieces, mm-hmm. um, their sales and delivery model was not consistent with how value was created, right? It's a compounding val- value curve, mm-hmm. an exponential value curve for communities, but they front-ended the cost of the platform. Yeah. And yeah. so you're putting a lot of pressure to get engagement quickly and get to that really rich engagement quickly, but it doesn't, it just doesn't happen quickly. Well, that's because the business models don't scale for the for the people who are trying to buy into it, do they? Well, that's what I'm saying. They're they've they took a traditional enterprise software cost or pricing model yeah. 
but the the value creation was not a linear value creation the way changing a transactional process might be. Do you know, I remember back in 2000, and, and I remember the year, it was 2006, where um, a very large uh, trade organization in the UK with 135,000 people wanted to create a community, okay? And, and yep. there was a technology available to do it. The problem was, was that if you if you simply took their, their pricing model and scaled it for, for what this particular organization wanted, basically you chewed up three years complete IT budget just on one thing. Yeah. And I turned around and I said, look, you know, if they're going to bring 130 odd thousand people on board, you cannot be charging them whatever it was. I, I can't remember now, maybe four or five dollars a month. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. You, you've got to be you've got to be in fractional mode or you've got to set a price that reflects something that's going to deliver value back to them. And the company just couldn't do it. Right. They could. Yeah. It's, it's got it to be a com compounding pricing model. Yeah. 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 To match the way value gets generated. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, we've seen this time and again, haven't we? Where, you know, great, great ideas get snafu'd on the, on the sort of hurdle of pricing because everybody's so afraid of leaving money on the damn table. Which well, so it it's pricing plus analytics. If you could show the analytics that match the pricing, and could show how uh, value was generating in lockstep with the pricing. Your customers would be happy. And they'll pay. And they'll pay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but, yeah, yeah. But no one in our space has been able to do that yet. Well, do you know this, again, years ago, um, I was advising a, a SaaS vendor who who has a product that, that Horizontal could go to many thousands, if not millions of people. And I said, you know what? You're going to be collecting an absolute ton of data. And here's how I think the model should go. Okay, price it per user at the moment if that's what you want to do. Um, it's an SMB product, 5, 10, 15 bucks a month, whatever. That's fine. But there's going to come a point where actually it makes sense not to charge them or to charge mm -hmm. them a dollar, if that. Yeah. But, but to give them access to analytics because you're going to start to see patterns and all sorts of things around yeah. a myriad of, myriad of data points that's going to be extraordinarily valuable to both those yeah. users and to institutions. And I gave them some examples. They looked at it, they knew it, they saw it, but it frightened the bejesus out of them. And I don't know of any SaaS vendor that's actually successfully managed to do that. And yet that well, surely so the people, is the way to go. The people who are doing that is Facebook. Do you think Facebook doesn't track behaviors? Okay. Of course <laughs> they do, right? But they're not giving that data to any of their clients. And what it's doing, they're also not giving any of that value back to the content creators. No, none at all. Right? They're charging everybody, which is why they're making bajillions of dollars. And the like, like the business model is extractive in the extreme. Yeah. Um, anyways, like and and like I don't understand why uh, the enterprise software vendors can't see through that. They just see the engagement front end stuff. Mm. They don't understand what's going on in the back end, mm. really. And like, it, it's kind of my beef with the tech space in general is now that I run the community roundtable, I get kind of dismissed, discounted for my technical expertise all the time. Oh, you just deal with that soft stuff over there, the people. 
And I'm like, you know why I deal with the people? Because it's a harder problem than the technology. And by, the can, way, and by the way, it's people who run the business, right? Yeah, like we can we can slap all sorts of functionality on this, mm. but if you haven't sorted the people problem on either ends of the technology, who cares? Right, right. I mean, it's back to my AI rant, right? It's garbage in, garbage out. And if you can get this rich engagement, oh my gosh, you can you can basically you don't need any market research because you know exactly what's going on. What are going to be the next steps? What happens next? Well, it's interesting because for a couple of years in there, I was getting a little bored of what I was doing because I felt like I was just repeating myself. And yeah, we were. We were going along, getting along. It was fine, but, you know, there was no damn break. Right. Uh, and in the last year, that's really changed quite a lot. Um, so all of the advisory work that I've been doing in the last year are big uh, digital transformation projects that have the senior executive board of director level attention on them. And community management and leadership is a major investment pillar okay. for that effort. Okay. So that's encouraging. Can I, can, but, I can I just stop you there? Yep. I absolutely hate the expression digital transformation because it seems <laughs> to be a catch-all for everything. Yep. Just contextualize that for, for the things that so, you're dealing with. Yeah, for me, it's the adaptation of our business models, our operations, our entire organizations to deal with uh, this era of information abundance and and transparency okay. that we're, we're facing. Okay. So that's technical infrastructure, that's management and leadership changes, that's how do we adapt to be more agile as organizations and adapt to our environment instead of having this rigidity that, that is actually fragile in the end. Okay. So you you just mentioned leadership and 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 stuff. I mean what are people saying to you? What is it they're looking for? So leadership is an interesting problem. Like our I finally figured out what to put on our t our company t-shirts and it's a phrase called control is for amateurs. <laughs> yeah. Um because we, my, even me, like my generation, your generation, the way we come, came up in the world, the way we were schooled was all about getting the right answer and, and, and kind of this black and white, there is a right answer. All of those simple problems have been solved in the world. And now we're facing innovation and climate change and, you know, all, all of these complex problems, yeah. which have no one answer. Right. And we're all flummoxed by that. Like we're just overwhelmed and can't act in that environment. Oh, I know what uh, you mean. I know what you mean. Right? It's it's like it's like the minute that you pose a question to which there would appear to be a relatively simple answer. I mean climate change is one of them, right? You open the door to a hundred other yes. questions. And you keep peeling back the onion and there's more and there's more and there's more. Yeah. Um but you've got to learn to make decisions in this uh, ambiguous environment because the only way to make progress is to solve one problem. Now, there's a hundred problems you can choose from, and there's not one right place to start, but you've got to start. 
Yeah, uh, this is this is fascinating. You know, I mean, I was talking to um, Brian Summer recently, and Brian had been um, at a very large organization where the mandate had come down from uh, the investors through to the board. We need to do digital transformation of some sort. We need to change our business model. Um, get on with it, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, and so. Whatever all of the all of the organizations around the world are dealing with is where do I start? Yep. And actually, um, it's interesting because I'm finally working on a book, and a lot of it is about that, which is we know we need to change. How do you get started? And community is a complex solution to a complex problem. One and of the, the the question that I put to Brian was this: I said. Do these guys know where to start? Do they know? Do they know what the problem is that they're trying to solve? You know, what is it? What are the priorities in terms of the problems that they're trying to deal with? He didn't have a great answer, I have to say. He didn't have no, a great no, no. answer. Like that's that is the crux of the problem right now is leaders don't know which way to go. Right. And it, it's back to this mindset of how we do business and researching a problem to death so that we can figure out what the right answer is. I was well, stop, sorry, stop researching. There's no right answer. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just I mean, get going. I, I, know, I, know, I know that what you say is true. The problem is that you then have to select an, uh, select an issue. And in talking with um, uh, Vijay at uh, IBM, what he was saying to me was he said, you know, very often what people come in and say to us is we know that we have a top-of-mind problem. And very often it seems very departmental um, in the sense of, you know, let, let's think, uh, my customer service sucks right okay fine let's do a deal with customer service or you know my, my product is about to get amazoned um, you know what do i do about that Th those to my mind are very departmental type problems but those are the problems that people want to solve yeah. so so here's my solution though if you have a trusted ecosystem around you the priorities from your ecosystem will emerge okay right like you don't need to say i'm gonna put all my eggs in this basket and start here right you create an ecosystem whereby uh your your customers employees partners uh all um kind of show you what's most critical to them now, I think that's going to result in some very, very interesting um, dynamics. And let me give you an example here. Um, there's an outfit that does, I, what do they call themselves? It's blind something or other. But basically what they do is they anonymously survey people, yeah? Mm -hmm. and, and they survey people on a topic, and then they survey employees of whatever company might be the target of that particular question as well, okay? Guess what? There are huge disconnects between one another um, populations, right? So one of them was the, the most recent one I saw was about Facebook, and it said, you know, is something along the lines of, you know, is is Mark Zuckerberg the right person to 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 lead the organize? No. Do you have confidence that Mark Zuckerberg is the right person to lead the organization? Okay. Externally, the answer was emphatically no. Right. Yeah. Internally, the answer is emphatically yes. And you got to say to you, yeah, so you have to get those two populations together and mediate and facilitate that conversation. Yeah. And it's like, why? Why? And get to some conclusion. Yeah. 
right? And this is what nobody likes to do. They don't like confrontation. Um, and I like, I, I am dying to run a community strategy for a political candidate because what's going on these days is it's all personalized politics. Like here in the States, it's, is it Hillary or Donald Trump? And I'm like, we shouldn't even be having that conversation. We should be having conversations about what do we want to do with healthcare and education and infrastructure and whatever. Um, Politics shouldn't be about one person. Like, and it's divisive when it is. And so can can we as a political campaign, can we host this massive conversation and facilitate some constructive outputs around like how would we sort out our tax structure so that our our economy is not so lopsided? Yeah, it's. Um, w- w- I've actually asked that exact same question back in the UK here because we got the same problem. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely no different whatsoever. And um, you know, the consensus among people who have been thinking about this stuff, um, at an abstract level at least, has been you know the, the, the political class at the moment is is in a mess. Yeah, if it's yeah, if you look at one side, you know there are so many fractured problems here. You can say the same about the other side. You, and and my question is. Well, who among those could could come forward with an alternative that actually puts the state first and its people first, rather than the political personal ambitions and whatever they that means? Yeah. So it's it's back to the leadership mindset issue, right? Mm. The, the current leaders are stuck in this competitive mindset of it's me against them or whoever, rather than how do we engage the entire ecosystem to get them to co-create solutions and then bring us all forward. And I am just the facilitator of that conversation, Mm -hmm. not the one who has all the answers. You know, I think one of the better examples that I heard about, and it is a couple of years ago, and it it relates to um, GE. Mm. And and inside there, the, the, this is how it used to, I don't know if it's the same now, but um, what used to happen was that the CTOs of each of the major divisions would get together once a month and sit in a room and basically brainstorm and go through whatever's bothering them and all the rest of it, right? But here was the interesting thing. The number one thing that you had to do was park your ego and your trademarks and your patents at the door right Mm. and it's kind of a similar thing isn't it it's like you know you've got a bunch of people who are serious big swinging dicks in their own right to put it crudely (laughs) but when you get them in the room to discuss problems both from their perspective and also from the broader perspective having those kind of quote unquote rules sounds Mm. to me like a good start yeah so uh, an example from our world like one of our clients did a massive two-day strategy jam with a their entire company worldwide on their community internal community platform um, with different senior executives facilitating different pieces of the strategy conversation. Yeah. And they had this massive collaboration on what like what they needed to do from a strategic perspective that included thousands of their employees and what was the outcome 
I think every, so it was a communications initiative. Mm -hmm. They got the attention and the understanding of their staff around their strategic priorities in a way they never could have if they had just published something. Okay. Right? So it got everybody on the same page about like, what do we care about? What are the issues and opportunities? Why is this uh, uh, okay strategy or how can like how can we pursue this strategy and what are the risks and opportunities? And I like they um, you know they I, I heard about how much dialogue they had and how much information they gathered. I didn't get the outcome on how did it change the strategy, but I have to assume that like a lot of stuff was surfaced in a way that was very healthy. Well, that's the key, isn't it? It's, it's about healthy conversation. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel, this is this is a really, really fascinating area. I mean, we could talk for hours on this, I'm sure. <laughs> but I've got to bring it to a close. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, no, it was fun chatting. It's no, been a while. No, we're gonna we, we are gonna do this again. I can assure you. I, I'm absolutely gonna do this because uh, I think what you're doing is surfacing things that people instinctively know, but are yeah. Maybe, <laughs> but are maybe afraid to find a way forward and not sure what they should do. And, and I think that, um, you know, I've got takeaways from this. It's community matters. Community can be important and is important, but here's a few things that you got to do. You've got to create a safe environment. Okay. It's mm -hmm. okay to be competitive, but let's try and be nice about it. Yeah. Um, let's be open to being vulnerable. Very, very hard for a number of people, right? And and let's view this as um, a, a something where everybody gets to win, and, yeah. no, and because if anybody gets to lose, it's bad news. It's and really, change really bad how news. you measure people. Right, right. Change how you measure people. Right. It's killing people. Right, right. <laughs> okay, Rachel. One more thing. Yes. You're a working mum, aren't you, as well, right? I mean, you... you I made, am. Okay, how's that working out? <laughs> Good. Good. Now that now that we're out of, the, like, the dark tunnel of the early years. Okay, you mean the terrible twos and all that sort of thing, right? Yeah, the early years are tough. Uh, you've got the teenage years to look forward to. You realise that, right? I, I do, but... Yeah. I think I, I'm, I'm, I have a hypothesis that my daughter was much tougher... Uh, uh, as a young kid than she will be as a teenager because she's the apple unfortunately did not roll far enough away from the tree and she really doesn't like authority <laughs> uh, and she's very argumentative and very independent which is going to serve her very very well in the long term but is a parenting uh challenge well all i can say there is look forward to plenty of interaction with her teachers <laughs> yes Yes. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, it is a challenge. It's it's part of it's one of the reasons I started the CRs so I could have more control and flexibility over my schedule. Yeah, but it also means you've you've got a place where you can go and say help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rachel, fantastic conversation. We'll pick up uh, pick it up again. Thanks ever so much for your time. I I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. It was really fun to chat. Okay.